great to be here. Uh, thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, it is somewhat uh, of a sad uh, day with what we have heard, uh, and we will be remembering you uh, as an assembly and those that have been directly affected uh, with what has taken place. But we're here uh, this afternoon to turn to the Word of God, and what better place to turn uh, in these situations, and even uh, as we face our everyday lives and as we face a new year, 2020 is what we face. Uh, It lies before us. It lies before us as individuals. It lies before us as a church, the church of Jesus Christ. What will 2020 bring? And I want us to turn this morning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5. And verse 21 to 24. I want to speak to you this morning on a character that you will know, perhaps, or certainly heard of. Enoch, the man who never died. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. And Enoch lived... Sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty five years. I want you to notice verse 24. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. I want you to turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. This great chapter, the heroes of the faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith... Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6 But without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And amen. And we know that God, as ever, will bless the public reading of his word. Let us have a word of prayer together before we turn to this passage. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the singing that we have heard, that faith is the victory. We thank thee, Lord, for your open word. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to it at any time, day or night. We thank you, Lord, that we have it in our hands. And we pray, Lord, as we come to your word this afternoon at this New Year's conference, Lord, that whatever shadows our minds, that whatever preoccupies our thoughts, 
We pray, Father, that we would be still and know that thou art God. We pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help me, Lord, I, I ask of thee that you would come to me, Lord, and use me for thy glory. We pray, Lord, for George as he opens your word a little later, that your hand would be upon him also. Father, it's you we want. It's you we need. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us a great time of blessing in our Savior's precious name. Amen. Well, this is, you don't need me to remind you, the, the, the first Saturday of a brand new year. And as I said a little moment ago, 2020 lies before us. And as we take a look down the avenue, as it were, if God tarries and spares, what will 2020 bring for you? Or how do you want to be in 2020? As someone that knows and loves the Lord and is serving Him. How does 2020 look like for you? Or how do you want it to be? I read a quote some weeks ago. And I read this. In 2020, I want to walk even closer to God. Can I ask you at the very outset of this message this, this afternoon... Is that your passion? Is that your objective? And I'm not asking, are you going to come to church? I'm not asking, are you going to come to the prayer meeting? I'm not asking, are you going to do any of those things great and all they are? But what I want to bring afresh to you this afternoon, and the challenge to you as it is to my own heart, are you going to walk with God? To, to walk with him. Throughout past generations of human history, out of the billions who have lived on planet Earth, only two people have never died. Certainly that has been recorded here. One was Enoch, and the other was Elijah. And we know Elijah who was boldly confronted with idol worship. You'll know the many, many uh, stories that there are recorded for us with Elijah, challenging Israel to return to the true God. At times felt so alone, feeling the entire world was against him, who was in constant danger, yet he remained faithful. Elijah. And in 2 Kings 2.11, the Bible records for us that while walking with his student Elisha, Elijah in a moment supernaturally was rushed into the presence of God, into heaven by a flash of blazing brilliance in a chariot of fire into the presence of the living God. No death for Elijah. Straight to the presence of God. Never to be seen on earth again until his brief appearance in a glorified form at the Mount of Transfiguration. And we read of that in Matthew 17. 
But almost a millennia earlier, there was another man, and this is who I want to focus on this afternoon. His name was Enoch. Similarly, taken by God, he escaped death. For three centuries, this godly preacher walked with God. Now, he wasn't someone who made a profession. He wasn't someone who was evangelical, if I could bring it into today's language. Dear people, this afternoon, this is the message that I want to get across to you. Enoch walked, walked with God. And that's what I want, the challenge that I want to bring to you this afternoon. Are you walking with God? Now, I want you to answer that honestly before him today. Are you walking with him? In fact, his earthly journey was taken one day whilst walking with God. He was snatched into heaven while walking with God. I don't know about you, but if ever I wanted to go a certain way, it would be like that. The Bible does not say much, say all that much about Enoch. In fact, he's only mentioned a few times. He's mentioned in Genesis that we have read together. He's mentioned in Hebrews. He's mentioned in Jude. In fact, in Jude, where he was mentioned, he was confronting sinful, popular opinion in society. The generation that Enoch was trying to reach and trying to confront was the very generation that God decided to wash away with a flood. So you can imagine the evil and contentious way in which, in the the surroundings that he found himself, he never compromised. And he's briefly mentioned in First Chronicles 1 and 3 and in Luke 3, 37. But if we turn to Genesis that we have read together, it traces the righteous descendants of Adam from Seth all the way to Noah. And you can read of them. You will notice at the end of each obituary or each genealogy, we have the words, and he died after every one of them. Verse 21, and Enoch lived sixty and five years and begot Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah three hundred years and begot sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, in fewer than 50 words, the Old Testament gives us the entire account of the life of Enoch. His son, Methuselah, who lived longer than any man, 969 years. And his great-grandson, who famously built the ark, he needs no introduction at the grand age of 600. A man who was born 622 years after creation, he, this Man Enoch was the seventh generation of Adam. Now you will notice in our reading that we have read together twice in four verses. Now we're told that when we hear one 
statement from the word of God. We are to listen. But we are to doubly listen. When we hear it twice. Verse 22. Enoch walked with God. Verse 24. Enoch walked with God. What is the significance of that pen for us in scripture? Walking with God. Nearly seven centuries earlier, before the fall, before death, before sin, we get somewhat of a picture of Adam and Eve in Eden's garden, walking with God in the cool of the day. The presence of God that they enjoyed with no hindrances. They walked with God. Many tell us that they enjoyed fellowship, even maybe fellowship meals with God himself. Some commentators argue. There were no hindrances. They could walk with God in the cool of the day. Having sweet communion with their heavenly father. Of course, we know what happened. Separation. Then we had death. We, have, we had the thorns. We had the thistles. We had all of these obvious points that we became separated from God. And I want you to understand that the setting here, man has fallen so low. And he has. Cain had killed Abel, and the world was going mad. You can imagine the context to which Enoch was born into. However, Scripture reveals to us that there was finally someone who is said to commune with God in an intimate, daily walking, in daily fellowship, in an evil, fallen world. And he did it for over 300 years. We hear the familiar saying that the world is getting worse. And it is. It's getting worse. Certainly in our generation. Or even in the past few hundred years. It has declined. But dear people. This afternoon. If we were to go back to Enoch's day. I'll tell you this. We get it easy. And Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And what I want to portray to you this afternoon is this image of walking with our Heavenly Father. Walking with Him. We hear much of revival. And we hear much of how we need revival. And so we do. But I'll tell you how revival comes is when the saints of God are walking with God. Walking with Him. Hand in hand with our Savior. To walk with God is another way of saying that Enoch pleased God. That's what we read in the New Testament Hebrews. The Old Testament portrays him as walking with God. Verse 24 and verse 22 that we have read. But in the New Testament, he's told to us in the letter of the Hebrews as pleasing God. 
In fact, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament, and the two words mean exactly the same thing. It's phrased exactly and rendered the same way. He walked with God. Now I want to challenge you this, this afternoon. As you've come to this New Year conference. I don't know your background. I don't know your spiritual condition. I don't know what 2019 was like. And I don't know what you have in view for 2020. But I want to ask and I want to plead with you and challenge you. Are you walking with God? I'm not asking are you a preacher. I'm not asking are you a Sunday school teacher. I'm not asking are you an elder or an office bearer. I'm asking are you walking with God? In the context of Hebrews 11 that we read together, let us ask an obvious question. The wonder of all wonders. <clears throat> How can a sinful man, born in sin and shapen in iniquity, be born of the Spirit of God and walk with the living God? It's the wonder of all wonders, the miracle of the new birth. That God in his majesty, in his purity, in his holiness, that you and I can walk with him. Moses had to veil his face. Jacob called the presence of God an awful place. And yet because of Christ... You and I can walk with the living God who placed the planets in order. The earth is spinning at 10,000 miles per hour and is traveling through space at 75,000 miles per hour. That's the God of creation. That's the God of the universe. And yet you and I can walk with him. He chooses to use us. He chooses to use you. We can walk with him and glorify his name. What is it to walk with the living God? Dear people, this, this afternoon, we need to get back to the simple things. Like a child could understand it. And the theology that there is backed that a sinful man born of the Spirit of God and can walk with the living God, the theology behind that, we can't explain. But yet I can walk with the God from everlasting to everlasting, hand in hand. That's all he wants. That's all he longs for. Is God not pleading with us? Of course he is. I want to walk close with you. I want you to walk close with me. I want to use you. 
I want to fill you. I want you to glorify my name. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? There can oil and water do not mix. And for born in sin and born in iniquity, the reconciliation must have taken place for us to walk with God. That's a very obvious point. But in the case of Enoch, a sacrifice must have taken place for Enoch to walk with God. And in the context of Hebrews 11, and that's what, if I could just digress in chapter 11, really what it is telling us in relation to Enoch. And if you turn to it in Hebrews chapter 11 that we read, where we see Enoch's example of saving faith is highlighted immediately after Abel's, if we could just draw some context here. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now in verse 5, the, in the next verse, from verse 4, by faith, what faith is it talking about? Why is Enoch in this distinctive Famous chapter of the heroes of the faith. What did Enoch have faith in? What he had faith in was the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith, Enoch, verse 5, was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What faith Enoch would have had. Early days of the sacrificial system. In fact, the official sacrificial system wasn't even installed, as we would say. And yet he had the faith. He had the faith to walk with God for over 300 years. We have Bibles We have grand churches. We have commentaries. We have faithful preachers. I wonder, are we, are you, walking with God as Enoch did? Because it's possible. Walking with God. Like Abel, Enoch understood his unworthiness. And need for a proper sacrifice. And what greater sacrifice? The sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ. And it's to him we must lift up this afternoon. Because it's by Christ. He is the only reason that you and I are here. He is the only reason that I can walk with God hand in hand. Christ hath opened up the way. He has veiled the holiness of God that I can walk with him. 
Enoch's testimony was one of blood. One of salvation. Through faith. And dear people, this afternoon, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to have it afresh that we belong to the King because of Jesus Christ. Whatever news we face, whatever sad circumstances that we encounter, we have Christ. We have God. He believed in the true God, Enoch. He sought God's rewards. He walked with God. And what an example he set for us. Here we have a man that walked so closely, so intimately with God, that God decided just to bring him up to himself. We can wrongly assume that the Old Testament focuses solely on rules and regulations as some people portray, rituals and ceremonies. Enoch's life was characterized not with legalism, but by the unspeakable joy of an intimate communion with his creator. If only we could get a grasp if only we could get a hold of who we are and who God is, and yet we can walk with Him. And He chooses to use us. The Lord was Enoch's companion, his confidant. In an earthly sense, we can have companions, and that's great. We can look to our companions as someone close, as, as someone who we can rely on, someone <coughs> whom we call upon when we're going through difficulties. That's good. God, the Lord, brings people like that into our lives. But this is much deeper than that. This is walking, walking with God himself, the intimacy of God, the father heart of God. The term walk here expresses the idea of a moment-by-moment moment fellowship with the Lord. That, that fellowship, just like Adam and Eve had, walked with God in the cool of the day. You and I are temples of the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit dwells within us. And we can walk with our Savior hand in hand. What a picture. What a truth. What a truth that we evade in many times. What a, what a truth that we forget. That we can walk with Him. That's, that's what it is to be born again. What about the two on the Emmaus Road? Unbelievable to read and to think of it. A disciple named Cleopas was walking towards Emmaus 
with another disciple when they met Jesus. And it's, 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 it's amazing to read. In Luke 24, you can read that account. Where we have Christ give them a Bible study, if you like, on Jesus. Little did they know that they were walking with him. The one that Christ was speaking of, they were walking with him. And look what they look what Luke penned for us in 2432 of Luke. And they said one to another, and it'll be great for us to say the same. Did not our hearts burn within us? While we talk, while he talked with us? By the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, you say this, that was back then, we can't have that. I don't know what Bible you're reading from. We can have exactly the same thing. We can walk with our Savior, and we can say, whilst leaving this building or, or, or going anywhere, did not our hearts burn within us? Let me ask you this afternoon, when was the last time you felt that you were walking with God? When was the last time that you said, did not my heart burn within me? You know what it's like to have those quiet times. To have those special times when God is near. You could conquer anything. When we enter into the closet, when we have fellowship with him, surely we can say, did not our hearts burn within us? Are you walking with God? Am I walking with God? Walking with him? Dr. Stephen Lawson wrote, speaking of those who preach, a sermon rises no higher than a preacher's soul before God. What a challenge that that is for me to stand before you at this New Year conference. I can get up and I can put a sermon together. I can preach Some can preach with natural ability, with eloquence, with all of these things. Dear people, they're futile. If we're not walking with God, husbands, if you're not walking with God, what state is your family? Pastors, if you're not walking with God, What state is your church? Mothers, if you're not walking with God, how are you bearing children? How are you rearing the children? Grandfather, aunt, uncle, whatever this congregation encompasses this afternoon, if we're not walking with God, it's futile. Our work in the van, our work in the factory floor, it's futile. Walking with God.
If this is your desire, I want you to picture two married couples, or two, well, sorry, one married couple. Picture the scene, a married couple, newlyweds, walking together. The sweet communion. Two walking together hand in hand, two becoming one, walking together. Nothing hindering. You know, two, two can't walk together except they are agreed. And the same picture in the institution of marriage is exactly the same as what the church is to Christ. His bride. Walking together. Walking with him. There's a corresponding nature. We desire his holy company if we're walking with God. We want his fellowship. We want his communion. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. I remember hearing David Ravenhill speaking of his father Leonard Ravenhill. And at this time he was well advanced in age. And they couldn't keep him in bed at night. They heard him rattling along the hallway to the study. To where, and I remember talking to D- David Ravenhill, I think it was, it was here actually, and <coughs> I remember him saying that they used to hear him getting up in the middle of the night and he just said, I just want to go, I just want to go to the study. What was he going to the study for? Because nothing else would do. He wanted to the, the holy company of his companion, of his heavenly father. He walked with God. Enoch here was in a higher plane. He walked with God. The concept of walking with God is an intentional and passionate pursuit. This kind of diligent, diligence characterizes, of course, all those in Scripture is having walked with God. And it's spoken for us. Enoch, the Bible tells us clearly that we have spoken of walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked with God. Moses walked with God. Joshua, David, Hezekiah, Josiah, all walked with God. And any man or woman that has done anything for the kingdom of God has walked with God. They desire to walk with him with every fiber of their being. Is that your desire this afternoon? Is that your passion? Your desire that you want to walk with him in 2020? To to walk hand in hand with him? What is it to walk with God? Well, Mark 12 and 30 tells us, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. 
This is the first commandment. I tell you, there's some meat in that verse. We're to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And this is the first commandment. 1 John 2.6 He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. We're living in a modern age. You know that. And this world, the world, the prince of the power of the air is rampant. We have seen it evident, sadly, even here connected to this very assembly. And we have churches that even deny the very attributes of God, even not too far from here in Northern Ireland. We were made for one thing and one thing only, and that's to glorify our Heavenly Father. John Calvin said that there is not one blade of grass There is no color in this world that is not intended to make men rejoice. Our sole purpose on this (coughs) short 70 year span, perhaps 80, 90 at a push, is to glorify our Heavenly Father. And to walk with him. You know, George Mueller wrote, The less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. The less we pray, the less we desire to pray. And is not so true? How how is it with you today? How has it been? Do you want to walk with him? Do you want to walk with your heavenly father hand in hand? Enoch lived in the most evil of days in the most difficult of circumstances. And yet he walked with God. And so we are living, obviously, in difficult circumstances. Our walk can be contagious. Contagious. We bear fruit for him. In fact, even as we have read, Enoch's great-grandson. Let's see what the Word of God said about his grandson. You see... Our lives have a bearing. Our lives have consequences of how we live our lives. Here's what we read of Noah in Genesis 6-9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. How would your children 
testify of how you have walked? How will mine testify of how I have walked? We could study more of the life of Enoch. He preached. He is one of the first preacher of God's judgment in Jude 14 and 15. With this I close. You'll know of the, the Lewis revival. And in fact in Bertie's study, just in the back there's a picture of Duncan Campbell and Peggy and Christine Smith. One was riddled with arthritis and one was blind. And there they prayed in the Isle of Lewis that God would come. And they walked with God and they prayed to God that God would come and revive them. And God answered their prayers. You'll know the story as well as I do. But Duncan Campbell, when he was to arrive on the Isle of Lewis, and here's an account of what we read. And Mr. Campbell was a famous preacher. Here's what we read. When Mr. Campbell arrived, the Reverend McKay, who was the minister of the church in the Isle of Lewis, and two of his elders met him, Duncan Campbell, at the pier. Campbell looked so pale after the choppy voyage that one of the elders wondered if he was fit to preach. So it must have been a rough sailing. But this is where it's profound. One elder asked him, asked Mr. Campbell, Are you walking with God? That seems an obscure question to ask a great preacher. In fact, he was preaching at the Bangor Convention. So it tells you what type of plane the elders were on. They asked Duncan Campbell, Are you walking with God? And Duncan Campbell realized, and I'm sure he did, that these men were living on a higher spiritual plane. And as he walked along the village road the next day, Duncan Campbell, he sensed that God was hovering near and was already at work. What sort of a spiritual plane were those elders on? In the Isle of Lewis, when they were coming to ask someone of the spiritual status of Duncan Campbell, are you walking with God? Dear people, this afternoon, there's a higher plane. And it's that higher plane that brings the blessing. It's that higher plane. It's that ingredient is what we need and what we're lacking. That's, that's what makes the difference. Walking with God. I spent two years in America. And if ever I was to have my eyes opened of men and women that walked with God, it was there.
Each home that I went into, you could feel his presence. You could feel it. It's all they talked about. Their children were into the word. They knew, the, they knew their Bible far better than I did. Some half my age. They walked with God. Man, exactly the model to which God intended. Man and wife walking hand in hand, walking with their God and rearing children. Of course, not everyone is to have children. Not everyone is to have married. I'm not saying that. But for those who were and are walking with God, and it's, in, it's the same in any assembly or this assembly, elders, deacons, members, if there's going to be blessing, and we can pray for revival, and we can do all that, and that's great. That's what we need. But it comes with men and women walking with God. I urge you this, this afternoon to grab hold of your heritage. About your loins is girded the robe of righteousness. And God looks on you as though you never sinned because of Christ. And yet you can walk with him. I hope as we leave this conference today that we go skipping out the door knowing that we're walking with him and that 2020 is going to be a, a year of blessing for our families, for our marriages, for our assemblies and for our community. I would love to be in the plain of Enoch or those elders that met Duncan Campbell. Are you walking with God? Are you? I trust as a result of today and the short message that you will walk with him. Amen.